the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And joining me today, we have Sylvia Pessa out of Peru. And Sylvia has had a phenomenal career uh, through the medical uh, space on public policy and health, starting as a doctor and proceeding through to being uh, Peru's ministry, Minister of Health um, back between 2018 and 2019. But today, of course, is heavily involved in the COVID response in Peru, which is a, you know, the crisis is gripping countries around the world, but Peru is actually having a much more difficult time of it than some other countries. And uh, welcoming Sylvia on board today to talk about not just how that uh, is affecting Peru, but also, of course, with regards to the journey in uh, medical cannabis and what that means to a country like Peru. Sylvia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Richard, for uh, inviting me to the, to the Green Peak today. Thank you. So, Sylvia, um, let's, let's talk about right off the bat a bit of the COVID response in Peru. And, uh, you know, I don't think most people realize, you know, people hear about Peru and they think of Machu Picchu. And the ones who investigate a little bit further hear about the out of the world, this world amazing food. But beyond that, there's most people don't know a lot. Why don't you tell people about the situation and what's going on? Oh, it's a. It, I thought that uh, the questions would be more easy, but it's a difficult question. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that the that the situation is further different from other countries right now in South America, uh, and because I was involved in different parts, but not inside the government, as a civil society here in the country, I can tell you that we have a lot of cases, we have a lot of problems of, of coping, you know, with the health system, as a lot of countries in the northern countries also had and yep. have until today. But the reality is that I have a perspective to see the, the full glass and not the empty glass, because if we see the empty glass, we will be, you know, very, very sad and hopeless. So I think that this is opportunity also in this country to change a few things. And we are talking about the health system, how the laws help to, to the population and to the health system to rebuild and to have a different perspective and a modern perspective of the, of the entire health system because, as you know, we have a health system that is a fragmented health system. So you have different parts, you know, you have the private and the semi-private and the public sector and no one then are working together. And now, for example, the new Minister of Health, because we have a new Minister of Health in this pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, they are putting all the pieces together to work together as is needed to be in a, a problematic situation as we have today. Yes, and I understand that you've also been quite involved in uh, some public-private partnerships where private companies are also getting involved to help. Uh, yeah, I was trying to do that, and uh, we accomplished a few things in, in the past month. By the beginning of March, 
some friends that they have uh, companies, uh, private companies, and the National, uh, National Society of Industry and other corporations, big corporations, approached me and said, hey, can, how can we can help the, the system? So I was making only the, the link between the public sector, that is the Minister of Health, was a new Minister of Health, and now the, these companies that, thanks to them, there are a few things that were able to do it very, very quickly. For example, we are talking about EPPs, that is the personal protection equipment. So those equipments, they bring the, the, the fabric from abroad. It was a, a bunch of like 27, 26 companies that they are textile. They bring the fabrics abroad. They call all the, the small pieces of each company to, to make the, the EPPs. And finally, they, between the last week of March, for example, and the first week of April, they donate because they really donate like seven, 27 million, you know, EPPs for the country. So you know that, and I always say that you have to, to be very thank you, uh, thanks, say thankful that the people you know, are trying yes. also to help. It's not only for themselves because they are not earning anything. And that is the, I think that the beauty of the, of all this, that you, you can, you can approach and you can see that the people really genuinely, because it's not always like that, they want to help because helping others, they are also, also helping themselves. And also is yes. the view of, you know, of the National Society of Industry and others. Yes. And I, I think it's notable, you know, in what, what you've been collaborating with people on there is in other countries, it's companies that are in the medical industry who've been participating much more heavily, where, in, where with your assistance and some of your coordination, I know some agricultural firms have been participating and helping, which you know we don't really see elsewhere. And so that's laudable. That's uh, fantastic. And that yeah. really speaks well to the attitude in the country of how we work together. Yeah, how the people really, you know, that's what I'm saying. They genuinely want to, to help the others and because they're helping their own workers, for example. In the agricultural field, you know, uh, these are, for example, persons that don't have one or two hectares. We're talking about three, four, five thousand hectares, you know, in the northern area of Peru. And they first donate the plant, oxygen plant, and also they donate, for example, all the EPPs for all the health services that are around, you know, their, uh, their fields. And now they are helping even to give for free the molecular test to the, to the, to, to the people that are the local people. So, yes, there are some partnerships that you sometimes don't visualize, but thanks God there are people like them that they are yes. helping Yes, no, it's it's wonderful to see because it's a it's the sort of attitude of collaboration and the sort of attitude where it's a societal response that is so powerful and uh, is wonderful. So let's talk a bit about you and your journey now into medical cannabis. I mean, you you're a doctor, um, and after doing your you know first becoming a doctor and then doing a, I think you did a master's in public health. You went and did a, another master's um, in the U.S. in health informatics along the way. And then um, after spending a couple of years as, I 
think the head of epidemiology uh, for one of the big hospitals in Peru, you ended up in Israel for a few years. And where along the journey did you really, you know, start exploring cannabis as a medical treatment? And how do you see it? Uh, how do you have you watched, witnessed it evolve? Okay, so yes, it has a long trip and I wish to continue that trip in cannabis, in the cannabis area. Uh, first, I hear, only hear about the cannabis on the, in Israel, when I was in the same building of all the offices in the Minister of Health in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. Yes. So that was the first time that I hear about the cannabis. I was not very involved on that because I was in other office. Everybody had their own their own places. And then I came back in 2016 to Peru. At that time, I began in the Minister of Health again. I came again to the Minister of Health in 2016 as a vice minister. And the former president of the country, PPK, which is Pedro Pablo Cuchin, yep. we call him PPK, uh, he was in September, I think, yes, in September he was in, in Colombia. And someone asked him about what do you think about the cannabis? Mm -hmm. And he said, it's okay to smoke time to time one, one cigarette of cannabis. And it was a big issue here in the press, in, and, and the, poor, the poor president, he said, no, no, but I don't mean that everybody has to smoke cannabis. He was worried. <laughs> That's like one or three weeks of bullying the poor former president. Yes. And from there, really begin the, the issue in the cannabis in Peru. And after that, were some political problems inside the Congress and the government in 2016. So uh, it continued. Uh, okay, the bullying time to time, the president... But in 2017, in, 2017, in February 2017, uh, was a, like a big issue because mothers that they were growing in one uh, middle-income uh, district of, of Peru, they were growing small uh, plants of uh, marijuana, yeah, of cannabis. For and they, and medicine they were, for their children with epilepsy and some with autism. And actually, that's how I got involved in Peru was... Yeah. Uh, as a consequence of that. Um, exactly. And the right. police, the Peruvian National Police, catch them and put them in jail. Because yes. they were like drug dealers. So yep. imagine that uh, for, for those women that they only were to, they were growing a little amount of plants, you know, only to make oil for their kids because the regular medicines that they were receiving in the, in the, uh, in the hospitals were not sufficient, were not enough. And the kids with this, oil that of course is not a medical especially pure as it has to be oil they uh, they went to to jail so there really begin the real public uh, involvement of the cannabis as a medical cannabis right so Sylvia, we have to take so yeah we have to take a quick break but let's come back after the break to that next step of the journey so we'll be back in a moment. I'm Richard Zwicky with Dr. Sylvia Pissa on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. 
elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protus Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. Protus Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak with Dr. Sylvia Passa in uh, Lima, Peru. And just before we broke, uh, Sylvia, we were you were just mentioning about uh, PPK and the mothers. And, you know, I, I mentioned that's kind of when I got involved in Peru. And it was really because the mothers were being arrested. And we had a number of, I had a number of questions come to me from government officials down there with regards to people were concerned first on in the government side. And there was people... Um, um, who were asking questions like Alberto uh, Belayonde, and who were very strong advocates, and um, you know, and but we're still asking about the stability and the variance. Why one month it would work really well, and not the next month as well? And they wanted to understand how to deal with that from a legislative process, but also cost for the mothers was a was a huge problem because. You know, for the cost of the medicine for the epilepsy for their kids as a a standard pharmaceutical, it was prohibitive. And any mother will do anything possible to get their children the medicine they need. But when they can't afford it, they had to find alternatives. And that was a, you know, that was a driving factor, I know, in uh, both in terms of how the mothers ended up down that journey, but then what the politicians needed to address was 
how could they ensure they had a stable molecule for the patients, but also the cost of it for, um, for the patients and how cannabis is affordable medicine? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated question because, but I have to tell you that first that the Congress at the time, because they are the one that makes the law, uh, the Congress did a wonderful, a wonderful duty to make this law happen very, very quickly. Yes. Because six months to do the law, okay, is really a gorgeous time. And I have to, to, to clap on that. Yes. Unfortunately, I also have to tell you that in Peru, we, have, we had lost a wonderful opportunity to put everything together in the law. And mm -hmm. it was because they don't understood. So I am not telling you about a recreative cannabis because it's other issue and in Peru is very sensitive. But to put medical and industrial cannabis together was a unique opportunity. Yes. And that was opportunity that we lost because now if you want to introduce that uh, will be or you have to change the law that will be very difficult you have to put an additional text in the law that it's almost impossible so you have to do another it, it is and you know i i know having worked on the helped work on some of the texts that ended up getting adopted and having met about 60 of the congress people during the process between August and I think it was October 17 when the vote went through, it was really difficult to get a consensus. And there was three bills that ended up going to Congress, one that was heavily skewed that would have permitted uh, recreational and everything else that didn't work, one that was very focused on industrial but didn't have patient rights mindful, and then the one that got adopted, which you know, I'm happy to say we helped with, but it wasn't perfect. And, but at least it was a step. And uh, I think the, the bigger problem is the time it took between the law and the regu regulations being published at this point, because they were ready, you know, they were ready February 2030 a year ago, which should, was 15 months. And uh, they've only really come into effect recently. No, but I don't think that it's so recently. We are talking about what? seven to six to seven months uh, uh, before uh, before this uh, this pandemic so it's yes. not so risky, okay yeah so remember that the law was approved remember the law was approved on a uh, signed and approved on November 2017 yes I was there <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I know I know I know, I know. and then uh, okay, I, I get I, I get again involved on that in April May yep. uh, uh, 2018, and then the regulation with all that amount of things that have to be because it's regulation in health, in agriculture, and also in Minister of Interior that is the police uh, took another yes another uh, another uh, year time. That's yeah, right. Because I know when you and I had lunch in Lima, I think yeah. it was February last year, um, and you'd just recently finished your term as Minister of Health, the regulations were, were there. They were ready. You'd done an, an incredible amount of work working with the other ministries to coordinate, and your ministry had worked, not, you know, as a whole, to move it forward. And, uh, you know, that was a, people don't, it's, 
not a simple task to write an industry for how uh, write a regulation for how industry as a whole will operate. It's a, a massive amount of work, and uh, the fact that it took a year is not surprising. The fact to me, it's a little surprising. It took a year from when you left to when the government started finalizing what was essentially work that was done. And I'm not criticizing. It's just the timelines are always stunning. But I think that the good news is that it's already settled. You know? Yes. Those are the good news. And also, you have to add to that that there are some small initiatives that people are bringing the seeds and they are doing research. There are some initiatives right now. So mm-hmm. I think that because it is working, we will learn how to work more once it's going on. Yes, uh, absolutely. You know, and, and there's... Yes, yeah, I was going to say there's three companies which have the licenses to commercialize now, which also will accelerate ourselves being one of them, but, you know, and then two others. And that's, uh, it's big steps for the industry as a whole. And there's a lot of companies and organizations and individuals in Peru looking to get involved. And, you know, Peru is one of the breadbaskets to the world, but as far as agricultural production, you know, it's going to be transformative to the industry globally. Yeah, that's right. But you see that we we can we can begin to move forward. Yes. And this process depends only on the you know of the companies if they want to go further or they want to watch a little bit what's going on and move and move step by step. Mm-hmm. But this is the right time. And when you were asking before about the price and the accessibility of the of the cannabis, the medical cannabis mm-hmm. for the kids for the patients. Uh, I have to tell you that before this law was almost prohibited the the price. If you want to import one one small bottle of uh, thirty milliliters, mm-hmm. was more or less between two hundred and three hundred dollars. That's right. Not pay that, mm-hmm. but now uh, because uh, the government is uh, in, uh, they import a few liters, not too many, only mm-hmm. five liters each time, and then fifty liters. So now it's getting a little bit more accessible because one bottle of 30 milliliters costs, how much it is? Uh, 49 soles, which is more or less $15. Yep. Okay? So that's a, that's a good beginning, but it's not enough because not everybody access, because not everybody has the prescription, because not everybody is in a database, and because not all the doctors know exactly how to prescribe. Well, and not everybody can even afford the $15. Uh, and you must, but, but you, you have help. That some, no, no, no. That some of those patients they have yeah. the, the national That's the true. insurance. So also it's paid by the national insurance. They don't have to be private yeah. only. And yeah. the other thing is that unfortunately, in the time that the government is not giving this uh, this medicine to the patients, there is a big black market that is going on, and it's not right for the patients. No, because they don't know what they're getting, unfortunately. Um, but I know the prices, you know, we're, you know, just speaking, we're ramping up for doing things in Peru and producing. And our production cost in Colombia is now, you know, well below 10 cents a gram. And we're hoping to get to 5 cents a gram shortly. But in Peru, because of the amazing uh, conditions, you know, 5 cents, 3 cents is going to be likely and that's going to make the cost translate even better for the you know patients in need across Peru. As Peru supplies the world, it should have, you know, just like with other products, 
domestically produced products are always less expensive. So it's also, it also will do a massive, have a massive impact on the health budget, which actually we should talk about after the break is just how the health budget in Peru works as a system, because it's, uh, it's very different in terms of the percentage of the GDP that it occupies to a lot of other countries. But we'll come back in a minute uh, with Dr. Sylvia Pissa, and I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on The Cutting Edge of Cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Oh, lady marijuana llama, tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We we're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really one toke over the line. And I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success, Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back with Dr. Silvia Pissa from uh, Lima, Peru. And uh, Silvia, just before the break, we were talking a little bit, or I started talking a little bit just about the uh, you know, GDP with regards to healthcare. And it's, uh, healthcare represents a much larger percent of the overall national budget than in a lot of other countries. And of course, that helps a lot of the patients in need, but it also puts a burden on on different areas of the country's budget. And with cannabis starting to be a locally produced product in the next year, that should help drive revenue into the government coffers from the revenues from the companies that are making profits internationally, but also help lower the cost. What What is the percentage of the national budget that the healthcare budget represents today? And we are using different figures, but in general terms, we are talking, uh, Richard, about 3.7% of the, of the GDP for health, which is not too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today, because of the pandemic, you can imagine that it will be less 
for the next year that what we we are talking today. But also, as we said at the very beginning, right. uh, the opportunity to to see and to modify. Uh, I think that is not only about the percentage of the GDP. It's also because the pay, pay is the same for everybody. Yes, yeah? so mm -hmm. I am giving to help more is because I am taking less. Because I am giving less to others. That's and right. Instead, of, instead of that, the idea is to organize better the Minister of Health that will be more efficient, also in all the administrative aspects that it has to be. Yes. Yes, and you know. I think for all of our listeners and anybody who's looking at the industry, there always has to be the recognition an industry like this will start contributing to the, the national coffers. But if we started tomorrow, there wouldn't be production to sell for 11 months at the fastest. And so when we're look, when we're really talking about these projects getting underway, the impact to Peru and other countries is going to be felt in mid 2021 to late 2021 um, across the board, but the impact will be huge. Now, you know, one of the things we talked about as we were going through the regulatory process in Peru was to make sure that, you know, there was clarity around the industry and the government was very, very sensitive to avoiding having a black market issue. And that was an admirable cause. And it was one of the first questions I even had posed um, by the National Health Commission when I spoke with them back in August 2017 was controlling that. And Canada went through the process of opening up from a legalization perspective, medical and recreational at the same time. And it made it a bit confusing where there's dispensaries operating across the country that really don't have the same tested product that is available through the uh, medical uh, cannabis companies that are distributing to patients directly, but there's the presumption of it being the same product. How is Peru looking to approach um, that control of the goods to make sure that you know the products that people get are um, are from the healthcare system? And what are they doing to what steps are they going to be taking to help avoid the uh, problem of the dispensaries with? uncontrolled product that may or may not be safe for patients along the way. There always is the risk of a problem. Okay. First, be aware that in Peru, it's not approved the flower. Yes. The so that is, from half of your question, is already sold because it's not approved. Uh, between the regular market that will be the private sector and the public sector. So then, uh, supposed to be, because that was their regulation and is the regulation today that you have to to have the, the all the requirements from the minister of health the national authority uh, of uh, drugs and, and and medical device that it's like the that is like the fda of the united states so the that is our fda uh, they have a lot of regulations in order to make something that it's called the medical or the pharmaceutical surveillance and they do that and they do that in a lot of products. Right mm -hmm. now, I know that they only make twice that medical surveillance for the for uh, the cannabis. Uh, for this bulk that we were talking, that they uh, import from abroad from one company, or uh, it's an American company. So that will happen. But I think that when the, all the industries will begin to work in Peru, because will not be only one, will be two or three at that time. I, I know that will be two or three. 
Mm -hmm. So they, they will have to do their own uh, pharmaceutical surveillance and inform to the, to the DGMIT what is going on each three or six months, depending of the, of the agreements that you will have with the National Authority of Drugs. Mm -hmm. The black market, also the black market, yep. I think that always will be there. And, of course. And we will facilitate it. It's terrible, but you, you will facilitate that as much as you know, you are not giving the opportunity to the persons to access. You know, you, uh, if you restrict access or you tax the product too too high to make it economical for the black market to exist, it will always exist. Exactly. If you make if you eliminate the incentive, it goes away, and that's. I don't know that in Peru will go away because we have a very very good black there, market. There's but always something, right? Yeah, that but, will not be as extreme as you can see today. Yes. So, Sylvia, I know, you know, we're short on time, um, but, you know, apart from obviously providing uh, advice and counsel to people like myself, you also work as an international public health advisor on behalf of a, no a number of organizations. And if, you know, companies that are in interested in the health space in Peru or internationally even and want to consult with you based on, you know, your experience at any of the levels, be it as a minister, vice minister, uh, attache to Israel with regards to some of the research that you did prior. You know, you've got a very storied career with an amazing amount of insight. How should they contact you? They can contact me by linking with pleasure if we want some advice. With greatest of pleasure, I will help them. And uh, I am now, yes, independent, working with a few big companies uh -huh. uh, and uh, international agencies that in this time of the pandemic, they, they also need, you know, some help to, to settle all, all the biosecurity process. And it's not so complicated. It's only the way to learn. Yes. And, you know, the, the important point there is it's not purely, it's, it's in fact, all medical, not just cannabis. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. So, um, no, that's amazing. This has been really interesting, Sylvia. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Green Peak. And thanks to everybody for listening. I'm Richard Zwicky. I look forward to chatting with you again next week. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.